What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to episode 99 of the Lombard Trucking Show. We're almost at the Centurion mark. Thank you all for being here so much. Really appreciate the feedback from the last episode with Santiago. Got a lot of great feedback with that. He's a wealth of information. If you haven't already, definitely reach out to him. If you work for an asset-based brokerage, carrier, whoever, anybody who's interested in learning about all that DOT safety and compliance, it's really important uh, on both sides of the trucking industry from the carrier aspect, the shipper. It's good to, to, for people to just know that type of information because, uh, I mean, I consider it not just valuable, but almost, almost invaluable. It's stuff that anybody can can really benefit from because it's also stuff from if you're not on the carrier side, you can benefit from that type of information for knowing and planning for things like, okay, this is why this shipment was late. This is why this driver was late and so on and so forth. But you guys know where to reach him and reach out. Uh, but without any further delay, I've got an amazing uh, guest coming on the show today. And like I have mentioned previously, we're trying to ramp up as many driver stories as possible. So if you're a driver out there listening, please reach out to me. Uh, I think the most impactful thing we can do, especially for, you know, for what I'm trying to do with the show and for what we're doing at CDL Drivers Unlimited is to get driver stories out there because their stories are absolutely necessary for people to listen to, to hear the real truth, not from the ATA, not from uh, even OIDA, not from, you know, organizations and from media. And I'll just have this little quick sidebar. For example, we all heard the recent news about Convoy. They're going by the wayside. I knew about this demise coming probably back in March. We are talking about it at Matt's. And Freight Waves covers it. And then Fortune Magazine posts an article about it. And their headline has to include Jeff Bezos and Bill Gates because they don't know anything about logistics. They're just, they just picked people who backed them. And then they talk about it. They describe Convoy as the Uber of trucking when Uber has Uber Freight. So you can see the media is very illiterate in logistics. Uh, everybody basically outside of, of Freight Waves and stuff is illiterate to it. So they don't know how to word it. Fortune did give a shout out to Freight Waves at the bottom of the article. But... That's the point of getting these stories out there from drivers is because when it comes to, there's a certain language out there in logistics, there's a whole language behind it. There's rhetoric, some call it speaking driver that people don't necessarily understand. So getting the real stories is very important. So without any further delay, I want to bring her, welcome Danny to the show. She is a flat better from Florida, avid learner, hard worker. And we cross paths on TikTok like I do with many drivers so, Danny, welcome to the show. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. How are you doing? I can't complain. It's a bright and bright and sunny day here in Central Texas. And if I'm not mistaken, you're up in the Panhandle currently. I am. I am not too far from Amarillo at the point, maybe 100 miles. Amarillo is a good spot. There's always uh, always a good. You can always find a place to park. Uh, have you ever tried the 72 ounce steak? challenge i have not <laughs> i am not that brave <laughs> yeah i tried it once in 2016 i only ate 42 ounces i i went at it with an empty stomach and it was a bad call and i've been seeking payback ever since but i'm sure sure i'll get back there eventually <laughs> but yeah it's a great stop off the old route 66 one of my my favorite route of driving was always you know i-40 from okc to barstow you know that part of route 66 was always always a good, good place to be. So I'm definitely, definitely, definitely a little jealous, but um, let's get right into it, man. So what's, what's your story? Where are you from? How'd you get, how'd you get behind the wheel? 
Uh, okay, so, well, as you know, I'm from Florida. Uh, my uncle, who's, I talk about him a lot. He's not technically my uncle. He's my uncle's best friend. My actual uncle, uh, I come from a very Italian, Roman Catholic family. The fact that I'm not barefoot and pregnant is absolutely insane. And then I decided to do this. So they're kind of like, who are you? What happened? Um, but my uncle's best friend, he was a truck driver for uh, like 20, 30 years. I don't know. He drove for a long time. Taught me pretty much everything that I know. Um, he's the reason that I got into this. He'd been trying to get me to get my license since the day I turned 18. I told him, no, I can't do that. I'm a girl. Like I'm supposed to get married and have kids and whatever. That didn't exactly pan out. COVID happened and I'm like, all right, screw it. I always liked, uh, being around the trucks and hearing his stories and everything. So I went ahead and just went all in and it was the best decision I've ever made. Oh, that's awesome. I could definitely relate to Roman Catholic and Italian family upbringing. <laughs> and yeah, them always, yeah, there's a certain path that, you know, that your family wants for you that they see that just isn't really, you know, a reality anymore. Or they always want, they always think that you can do better. Oh, you can do better. You were born for more. Well, show me what better is. And then, and then we can talk about it because I, I'm not sure what, what better is. So when you made the decision <laughs> to get your CDL, so how, if you don't mind me asking, so how old are you now? I'm 29. I'll be 30 in about six months. Awesome. Welcome. It's, it gets, it gets, it gets better here. Trust me. Don't worry. Once you cross that <laughs> threshold into the thirties, you can kind of stay like, I don't know. I still feel like a kid sometimes, but you can, when you talk to people, you still, you feel like you can challenge them. Cause you're like, I'm in my thirties now. But uh, <laughs> so what was the route you took to decide to get your CDL? Like, did you, uh, how did you like, did you go to school through a carrier? Did you pay for it yourself? What was your route into, into the industry? So I actually, I had the whole start when I lost both my jobs within three days of each other. I was a bartender and server at two different places. Um, so I was used to working long hours, you know, 20 hour days, not a big deal for me. Um, I, ended up finding a school because I knew I didn't want to go through a mega carrier. I heard horror stories. I know a lot of them block you into a one to two year contract. If you break that contract, you owe them the money. So I found uh, the WIOA grant and I applied for that. And I actually ended up getting it, but not using it because the school that I went to gave me a full ride scholarship because I had also applied for that. So I ended up having everything paid for. It was an eight week school. My main teacher drove 56 years. I mean, he knew what he was doing. He could back up at a hundred miles an hour. That man was insane. Um, so I went to a small private school uh, and I looked for a company. This was the regulation on training. You on the time or whatever the decisions are now. Um, so I looked for a trucking company that I was going to be training for a long time. Uh, Cause I didn't feel like it was right to just go out there and spend you know, two, three, four weeks behind the wheel and think that you know everything you don't. You're always learning in this industry. So that being said, the company I was, uh, I, <laughs> uh, three trainer there over five months the very i had her she amazing 
I still talk to her to this day and her husband as well. Uh, she taught me really the ins of this job. She taught me, you know, I that list to your benefit uh, with the voyage holes, if that's something that you have to pay as an owner operator. Different little nuances that you don't get with a lot of trainers these days. Uh, the first one I take a they were just nothing to speak of. Uh, she was amazing. I felt like I actually had a pretty good handle when I got out there because of her. I did leave him after training because I said that was not the company I was going to run for. And uh, Jay Hunt, for a little um, I hate to stop you here. Your, um, your, your, your voice is coming in a little bit choppy. Curious if anything happened with with okay. the service on my or your end. Are you still able to hear me? I can still hear you pretty well. Um, is that any better? Yes, absolutely. Okay. All right. So actually, uh, let's let's, let's back see up if real. this works. Yeah. No. This works. Let's. Uh, I want to back up real quick. So you. When you went to school, you you were offered, you got this WIO grant. That's what it was called? WIOA. It's a government grant. Okay. And now you got that. Did you? Was that something you applied for? Yes. And that is something, it's going to take time uh, because they ask for a lot of different things and they don't ask for it all at once. It, it took me about two or three months before that grant actually came through. So it's not something like you're not going to get into trucking school tomorrow if you apply for it. Um, but it stands for Workforce Initiative Operation Act or something like that. Uh, I'm probably wrong about the wording, but it, it is a grant. It's still offered. And it's just for really vocational school. If you want to go become a welder, a trucker, certain things fall under that category that the government will literally pay for your schooling. And this, so, and was this through the state of Florida or was this like a, a, fed, a federal thing? It's federal. Okay. No, that's good. That's good to know. I, uh, cause I'm learning about that. Cause it has to do that information like that has to do with a lot of what we uh, talk about in the show. And we'll get, get into that in a minute. So you, you didn't need the grant, the school you went to ended up giving you a scholarship. Your instructor was really good there. So it was a private school. So the people, the people who were, how many people were in your CDL school when you were there? My class had 13 students. And was everyone and kind of where was anybody else there being sent through a mega carrier? No, no, it was all privatized. Um, most of the students there ended up getting a scholarship. Uh, some of them paid for it to themselves. Uh, it depended on how much money the school had for funding at the time. But the majority of us were able to get the funding. OK, that makes sense. And now from school, the, uh, where did you head to next? I went to Prime. Uh, that was, I, I don't know how much of that you caught. So I'll just reiterate. Uh, I was looking for a company that I would spend a lot of time with a trainer instead mm -hmm. of the two, three, four weeks that most people do. Um, I didn't know a whole lot about them. I heard good things about them. When I got there, it was a little bit different. Uh, the very last trainer I had, her name's Heather. She was the best 
person that I was able to train with. Um, she taught me a lot of little nuances that you don't typically learn in training with a trucking school or with a mega carrier. Um, a lot of those trainers are kind of a dime a dozen. I won't even bother speaking about the other two, but she, I still, that's what I was going to ask actually. So you, you had two, you had two previous. So now how come, yes. uh, how come you ended up with a third trainer? Third time's the charm, but so what happened? <laughs> right. Um, honestly, uh, without going into too much detail, the first one uh, made me feel very uncomfortable. Uh, he was just, I don't know how to really put this without giving everything away, but he, he just made me feel uncomfortable. We'll leave it at that. Uh, yeah. The second one was a female and I found out she was suicidal and she wanted to run her truck off the road and I was in the truck. So I <laughs> did not want to stay there. So I got with Heather and best, best time that I had in training. I, I don't do with other people like driving around with other people. I don't trust people. I don't, I don't trust anybody else behind the wheel, but myself, except for maybe a, two people on this planet. Uh, her, I could trust. I could trust her. No, well, that's good. I've, I've heard good things about primes. Tr like when it comes to training new drivers, I understand that their school uses simulators. It seems to be a long process. What the only thing I don't like about prime is, and I was going to ask you about this is I, is from what I've heard and from what I've, I've seen is prime pushes lease purchases onto new drivers. They and, do. And that's, and, and the reason why companies do that is to, it suppresses wages. They don't have to pay you benefits and they're essentially having uh, an asset that, that they still for the most part own, even though it's through another leasing company in another way to make it seem legitimate. Um, it's just a way to extort, labor at the end of the day. And they trick new yep. drivers into this by luring them into being a business owner. And I'm curious if that crossed your path at some point. So I was never going to do that. Um, I did know better because my uncle, thankfully, um, and Heather, she did tell me when you're a new driver, you have no business owning your own truck. I, I, I don't care. I mean, maybe if you're a new driver on paper, you've been around it your whole life. That's a little different, but unless you can read an atlas, you know how to run your paper logs, you know how to avoid certain things, tolls, whatever. We'll, we'll just leave it at tolls. Um, you really don't have any business because you don't even know how to run your clock properly at that point. And you're not going to make any money. You're, you have a truck payment of over $1,000 at a minimum most of the time, especially leasing through a company. And especially Prime, they push it on these drivers with the incentive of, well, if you're a lease operator or owner operator, you can go 65 miles an hour instead of 62. <laughs> so that's another way that they get people. Another thing that a lot of new drivers don't know is, especially with Prime, they have what's called a balloon payment at the end of your lease. So you will spend $130,000, $150,000, $200,000, whatever, getting whatever you want on this truck. They'll deck it out however you want. You can do anything. They have a balloon payment at the end, and it's upwards of thirty, forty, dollars whatever, dollars on top of what you already paid. So before you own this truck, even though you've been making the payments on it and basically buying the truck for prime, 
if you want to own it at the end of the day and you don't put that in your contract that you have a hundred dollar balloon payment instead of ten thousand dollars all of a sudden you you owe them way more money than you thought you were ever going to owe them yeah you're you're overpaying for a truck it's basically yeah it's yep. it's yeah it's it, it's extortion at its at its most but that's that's good you were able to get locked in with a good trainer at prime how, how long were you with them I was with Heather for honestly the least amount of time. I was with her about a month. Um, I, I tried really hard. Like I stuck it out. Like I love this job, but training was hard for me. I'm not going to lie. That was, that almost broke me. That almost got me to turn around and say, this isn't going to be for me. But once I got on my own, I, I was, I was good. And I could call Heather. I could call her husband. He's been driving 27 years. She's been driving, I think, 12 or 13 now. So, I mean, I can call them anytime still to this day. Awesome. And so, and with Prime, you were doing, were you mainly doing reefer or dry, dry van at this point? Reefer. They do uh, reefer flatbed tanker. Yeah, that's right. And so, and so once you got done with your trainer, how long did you stick it out with Prime? I didn't. I left. Oh, so right after training, you yeah, you <laughs> I peaced out. <laughs> Man, yeah, see, I that, um that says something right there. That's uh, you have no idea how valuable that content is. So you get yeah, you go to Prime for training. So what was it? Three months total. Six almost. Okay, so six months total training. So I mean, that's that's about the time people will do with a starter company. They'll do the mm -hmm. six months and then they move on. So you were there for six months, and where so where'd you head on to after that? I went to JB Hunt, so I actually have my hazmat and my tanker. Um, I went over there and I was pulling hazmat for them because I thought, you know, that would pay a little bit more than most. I didn't have a whole lot of experience, so I couldn't really call too many shots. Um, I was getting paid 45 cents a mile at that time. And that was, you know, coming out of training, making hardly any money. That was pretty good for me. I ended up not staying with them for very long because I just wasn't getting the miles. They weren't giving me the runs. And I was telling them for months, I, was, I, need, to, I need more miles. I need more miles. I'm not making any money. Uh, I was maybe pulling seven to $900 a week after taxes. So that wasn't, you know, I didn't, not that I got into this for the money, but, you know, you got to live. I mean, I don't have anybody mm -hmm. else supporting me. So you got to figure that out. Um I left and, them and I, huh? Oh yeah. I was going to ask. So, and this was a, an OT and this was hazmat where it would not tanker. This was hazmat like in a, in dry van. And this was an OTR right. gig with JB hunt. Yes, it was. I was pulling for their PP. Um, and mm -hmm. it's, it's considered OTR dedicated, but it's really not. I pretty much stayed in the Georgia to Pennsylvania, Ohio kind of triangle there. I went out to Nevada once and me, I, part of this is I want to see the country and I wasn't really getting that with them. So I ended up finding Variant. Uh, they are, a subs they were a subsidiary of US Express. Now they are just absorbed by US Express, which US Express was bought out by Swift. They're all Swift. Um, but in any case, I ended up going with them because it was a uh, over a 10 cent a mile increase in pay and it was much more otr not a whole lot of western but still i would get out west you know once a month or so um and they were amazing when i first found them when they first started they were 
an amazing trucking company. Um, they actually did care about their drivers. They really, they took care of us if things were to happen. Now, I mean, they fired the president, Cameron, back in, what, 20, beginning of 22, end of 20, I want to say, uh, 21, sorry. Uh, time blurs together out here, as you know. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so they fired him and things just went to U.S. Expressways. Uh, they, we stopped calling in and getting anybody in ops. It was now you had a pod and now they've gone to fleet managers and now it's just, you know, your normal, normal. In 23 hours, they're not going to pay you layover. Back in the day with Variant, when they first started, if you were sitting, you know, 15, 16 hours, they, they'd take care of you giving you layover pay. Now, it, you better hit that 24 hours on the dot from what I've been told. Friends I still yeah. have over there. You see, that, that may actually make sense. I had this conversation with somebody about Schneider and apparently when, you know, I guess the, the Schneider family had passed it on, that's when things started to make it make a change for them. And yeah, I've, I've spoken to drivers from US Express and Variant and I never heard anything bad, basically until recently is when things kind of, yeah. When, when you, when something grows or there's a big, uh, a big merger or acquisition and things get reallocated and jobs get lost or gained and they split it out. That's, that's, what's going to, going to end up happening. So you, you stuck it mm -hmm. out with, you stuck it out with variant and then kind of, and then where, so where'd you go from there? I went local. Um, I ended up moving home for a myriad of reasons. Um, but local is not for me. I'm just going to say uh, it works for some people, but I really didn't see my family any more than with me being over the road. This company that I'm with now, uh, a real small mom and pop, we have 10 trucks and I absolutely love them. Um, but I tell them, hey, can you get me through to the house? They'll get me a trip to Florida. And I can go and have dinner with my grandpa, which is what's important to me. He's 93, pretty much raised me. So, I mean, my mom worked. He was always there. Um, so it, that was for me. But I really wasn't seeing him any more than I do now. And I hated it. I hated getting up, you know, 10 p.m. to 4 a.m., going into work, not knowing my route, not knowing where I was going, what time I was going in. Every week it was changing. I'd go to bed at 2 p.m., can't do anything, can't go out to dinner with your family at that point. Uh, you know, I'd go to bed in the afternoon and I'd wake up at 10, my route would be canceled. And there was no compensation when your route cancels. You just, you're out the hours. Um, so, I mean, for some people, that you when you're there long enough, you get a bid, you get on a permanent route, you know your hours, you know what you're working with. But for me, being where I was, I was with them for eight months, and it was just 14, 16, 18-hour days. I would try to go and pick up extra hours in the warehouse. I had 24-hour days. Like, I, I was loading trucks and driving, trying to just keep up with the hours because they cut back significantly in the summer. Uh, tourist season in Florida is during the winter. All the snowbirds come down, so... Things slowed down a lot in the summer, and they overhired from when I started. They hired about 16 more people after I started with them in January. So now, pay wasn't there. 
<clears throat> Who are you driving local for? UNFI. <laughs> that's that's funny. That's uh, UNFI. A good friend of the show makes a lot of memes about UNFI. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, about because like he was a broker, and anytime he had a UNFI load, it was always like there was always some sort of nightmare with it, and mm-hmm. they, keep, they keep drivers waiting a lot, so. <laughs> It's good. I'm glad to finally have a former UNFI driver on here. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, I loved the people in the office over there. I will say that much. The staff was great. It was more the corporate above them that was kind of, you know, they, they came in and just cleaned house and started messing things up they were over cubing trucks to the point i've got a couple videos on my tiktok of me having to down stack multiple pallets because everything was mixed i've had pallets that fell over you know they, they were over cubing the truck to the point where the loaders would get in trouble if every single thing that was supposed to go on the truck wasn't on the truck so they didn't have a choice and then the drivers you know we get there and we can't even get our pallet jack inside the truck to take stuff off when we get to where we got to go because there's so much shit in the way. Like it was just, you know, something had to give. Good to know. And it's, it's tough with those local jobs because you're absolutely right. And, you know, it's, especially since I've been working in recruiting, a lot of, a lot of drivers are looking for local. That's, that's what they want. They want to get off the road. People aren't getting the miles. Even you said at JB Hunt, you weren't. So they're thinking that the answer is local, but that's the thing. The way local driving jobs are set up now is basically all across the country is, you know, it's you're still gr- grinded to the bone and these companies justify and, and the pay isn't always there either. Unless you're a local fuel hauler in Texas or you have mm. some good, sweet gig, they justify a basically a reduction in pay because they're saying, oh, well, you 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 have the privilege now of going home every day, which you know, and basically yep. every, everyone in America goes home every day with the exception of pilots and flight attendants who, you know, just to say are unionized with a lot better benefits. And it's like, it, you know, it's it's confusing how they justify local work for when it's really that's primarily how the bulk of the industry function for the greater part of the 20th century until deregulation. And then, yeah, you're getting extra hours in the warehouse doing all this stuff. I mean, that it. It's, it should be a little bit more eye-opening to people on, on how that works. So I, I can understand why. I mean, because I've, I've said the same thing. I've looked at jobs at U.S. Foods, and it's like, yeah, your shift mm-hmm. starts. And not only that, you have to commute at that point. Like, you're not taking the truck home. So you have to drive to the terminal, which could be yeah. however long. So in U.S. Foods, same thing. Like, your shift, you start at 2, 3 in the morning. You're not home until 3, 4 in the afternoon. May even closer to five, depending on traffic. Yeah, and then it's like, and you got to be in bed by seven o'clock because, and so it's just like, yeah, you're home every night, but that's it. You might as well be at a flying J. You might, you might mm-hmm. as well be, might as well be in in the truck because you're you're getting the same amount of time. So I can understand, and yeah, you you have that lure to travel, so you you bounce from UNFI, and that's how you got your current current company. How'd you get to your current role? Uh, I actually put a post out on rubber side down. I said exactly what's going on. I, you know, auto restrict. Um, I've got this much experience. Uh, this is what I'm looking for. And I actually, I, w- I expected to get laughed out of that chat, you know, that post. 
because you know people see people ask for things they're like oh well you want a million dollars while you're at it like no yeah, i just i i know what i'm looking for that's i was pretty realistic groups, yeah <laughs> oh yeah i felt like i was pretty realistic and i hope that it translated and it clearly did because i ended up getting so many good comments that I actually had to turn the comments off because I was tired of sifting through trucking companies. I wanted something small. I wanted something that was over the road. I wanted something that was going to not force me to be in a truck with a trainer for, you know, two or three weeks to do flatbed because I didn't have flatbed experience. And I know that it's hard to do that. I was hoping I could find somewhere where I could run in tandem with somebody where two trucks are going to the same places or somewhere that would train me in a yard. And I found this small 10 truck company and they did, they're amazing. Uh, I have not, the only thing bad I have to say about them is my yard is based out of California. So I'm, always in California, like a boomerang. It's the only bad thing. Yeah, it sucks for a day or two, but I'm getting 3,500 miles a week, anywhere from three to 4,000 miles a week. So we'll say 3,500. I am making anywhere from 70 cents to a dollar a mile. I get paid tarping. I mean, it, it's a great company. They flew me out there. They paid for the Uber to get me to the airport and back, paid for my hotel, and they trained me in their yard uh, going back and forth from Haas pulling CNC machines uh, for three days. So I did strapping, chaining, tarping. And I mean, it was quick. It was a crash course, but, and not everybody can do this. I don't recommend this for many people because some people like really, you need a little bit more time. And I'm not gonna lie, my first few loads, they were a little tough because you know, you're doing different shit. And I pulled forklifts that were just dilapidated and falling apart. And I'm like, there's a light hanging down that's going to fly off and hit somebody. So I got to like cut shit down and, you know, put parts in my side box. So, you know, it's a lot of figuring it out. And I've had days where I've been working on loads for nine or 10 hours. But I'm the person that I don't care how long something takes me. I believe that if you're going to do a job, do it right and do it well. So I am one of those rare cases, not to like toot my own horn or whatever, but I am one of those weirdos that I will take the time to be meticulous about things. Three days on a yard for most people out here is not long enough, period. I'm sorry. It's just not. Um, but I'm very happy with where I'm at. I've learned a lot in a short amount of time and I will never stop learning. The day you stop is the day you need to hang up your keys. Oh yeah, you're absolutely right. No, yeah, flatbed is definitely it's a different it's a different beast. You know, I had Joe Seppi on the show recently, and you know, his his tarp jobs are always they've been on what the truck on freight waves. Like he posts really good videos about it, and he even very much said right on my show, like I'm still I'm still catching new things. I'm still learning, you know, new things on it. And it is it's you find mm -hmm. a new place to chain. You find a different way to hook. You find a different place to put the strap. You get the straps rolled up quicker. You're always going to do mm -hmm. it over over time. It's it, and it kind of actually it gets a little bit addicting. And I'm curious, is that because what <laughs> what lured you what lured you to want to do flatbed? Because mo most people are straying away. They're like, I'm not throwing tarps in the rain and 20 degrees in Iowa. I'm not throwing chains and when it's 100 degrees or whatever. So what? Yeah, what what are you just a masochist or did you say I just 
<laughs> I need to move more. So um, when I was over the road at first, I was extremely bored because I was pulling dry van or reefer. So it, it's a lot of sitting around on your ass doing nothing. And I'm not the type of person who's very good at making myself do things. Like if somebody else isn't telling me like, Hey, you have a job, go do this, then I'll do it. But if someone's not there to tell me that I just won't do anything. So I ended up, I was like, all right, this isn't good. I'm bored. You know, there's nothing to do. The company uh, variant, when I was with them, they did at the time have a full ride program. That's no longer, they don't have that anymore. So uh, anybody watching this who thinks that they're going to go over there and get education, you're not going to anymore. But they did have a full ride program at the time. I already had a bachelor's degree. So I was like, screw it. I'll go get a master's. Why not? I don't plan on using it. But I was like, screw it. I'll go do it. So I got about halfway through before I ended up moving home and driving local. Um, but it was just something to do. I, when I went local, it was way more hands-on. I was actually moving around, moving my body, like, you know, getting a decent workout in, just down stacking pallets and shit. Um, and I knew I didn't want to go back to doing reefer dry van over the road because I knew it was going to be boring. I knew it was going to be, even if it was touch freight, it wasn't going to be enough. So I was like, let me try flatbed. I think that's pretty badass for a female to do. And I just want to do the most badass thing out here. I'm not going to lie. Eventually I want to try cattle hauling when I'm sick and tired of doing oversized shit when I get into that. But in any case, I, I just want to do the most badass thing you can do. Cause I think that's cool. Um, and it gives me a good workout. I actually got to the point I joined planet fitness and I started going to the gym every day, every other day, because I, I'm almost 30. I need to become a lot more healthy than I am. And I realized that. So flatbedding helps with that. I mean, I'm throwing anywhere from one to 200 pound tarps. I've got my chains and straps and all that, you know, in the wind, whatever. And it's, it's a puzzle too, which I, I love to learn, obviously, you know, just for shits and giggles. I like to figure things out. I like to have that you know, how am I going to strap this? How am I going to chain this? Where should I connect it to? Like, is this enough securement? Doing math in my head, like trying to figure things out. I love it. And this, yeah, it's become addicting. I'm not going to lie. It has. Yeah, that's exactly what the best part is. It's like a puzzle. It's like playing a, a Legend of Zelda game or something like that. Yeah. That's what made, like I, I when it because especially when I was moving specialized freight with Warren, it was always different. Besides the tractors, the tractors got pretty were pretty like run, run of the mill. That were like that didn't really change. But different types of farm equipment, different mini excavators, like uh, it, everything was different. And then having to having a belly strap, you know, any any sort of steel. Like having to having to do that. And yeah, you're absolutely right. The getting movement in for a driver. I've said that before on this show, like anybody who truly, you know, is is like that focus on their health and doesn't doesn't mind, you know, uh, honest work like and but you're not all because you can't motivate everybody. You can't force everybody to be like, hey, park at Planet Fitness and go for a walk. But if they have to do it as required for their job, like if they have if they if they force it on themselves, like, okay, I'm gonna be a flat better, then you're going to get your steps in, you're going to climb up and down, you're going to get down. And it's, it's definitely a healthier, it's the healthier version of trucking. And man, for bull hauling, yeah. 
I can tell you, it definitely <laughs> takes, I had a, you know, I had a, I had a young girl on a few episodes ago and uh, she, she's a listener as well. Her name's Laura. I'm going to have to link you guys. She's, she's 24 years old and she's hauling cattle. She's from upstate New York. That's awesome. She, she doesn't, she loves nothing more. It's like, Oh, and, that's yeah. so cool. And that's, a, it's a tough as nails gig, like bull hauling. It is. And that's kind of, I, when I got my CDL, I too, I wanted to start. And I said this like way back in the early episodes, I was going to start with Maverick because similar to why I joined the Marines, like I joined the Marines because it's the hardest, it's the best. And like when I went into trucking, I was like, well, I want to do flatbed because it's the most, it's the hardest. It's the coolest. I think it's the most to brag about next to bull hauling, which I think is superior so i was like i want to do flatbed i didn't start off doing flatbed because the companies all required hair tests and i still had uh marijuana mm -hmm. lurking in my lurking in my hair oh yeah i did too <laughs> so, yeah yeah so i was like ah yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna hold off on that but you bet yeah but you're in it now and it does it gets addicting it gets it gets fun and yeah there's a pride there's a pride thing associated to it like wait like when there's nothing it's almost really satisfying when you deliver like when you when you see it get taken off like man, I, you know, I earned this or like I, I did something. Yeah. Oh yeah. I, I had a delivery a few days ago and I showed up, they leave at three 30. I was told three, uh, and they stopped taking people at two 30. I showed up at two 50. Again, I was told three. So I was, I went in, I'm like, look, I'm not going to be that asshole. If you don't want me to do this today, I understand. He's like, well, I'm going to have to call and see if they'll pay for overtime. And I'm like, look, I know that I'm, I'm pretty new. I know I'm a girl, but I promise you, I can get you in and out of here in like 20, 30 minutes. And he's like, Oh, I'm still going to have to call just in case. I'm like, that's fine. So he calls him. They approve it. I got them out of there. I didn't start until three ten because they had to, you know, go through their ropes and whatever. I got them out of there at three twenty eight. I ripped the tarps off. I unstrapped everything. Three CNC machines, off my deck he was done at 328 and he looks at me and he's like i'm sorry for underestimating you and i look at him and i'm like it's okay i would have underestimated me too <laughs> <laughs> I, can, that's, I mean that's a whole other aspect the shipping and receiving side of flatbed 10 it's 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 a a, a night and day difference between it because that's because the biggest problems we talk about in this show are uh, like parking and wait times of shippers and receivers. We, we also talk about the fake driver shortage, but like parking yeah. and wait times at shippers and receivers are the biggest ones. And on flatbed, you get that a little bit less at flatbed shippers and receivers will a lot of times let you park there. Uh, mm -hmm. They'll let you stay there overnight, get there early, what have you. Sometimes you wait in line. And then the wait times, like normally most, I'd say probably 90% of the time, sometimes there's a line or if you're going to ports, it's maybe a little bit different, but for the most part, like every, like anytime I went to a John Deere store, it didn't matter when it wasn't expedited. So it didn't matter. It just showed up to the dock. And sometimes I was able to just drive the equipment off and I'd be out of there in 20, 25 minutes. And you don't get, mm -hmm. you don't get that. You don't get that in drive van or reefer, especially reefer. You, you'll, you'll never see it, see something like that. That's very rare. So on the shipping and receiving end, you, you really can't beat it. Oh, for sure. Absolutely. I mean, this is, yeah, you're going to have to do a little bit more. You're doing it yourself. You got to roll up your tarps. Like I wasn't out of there at 3.30. I was out of there around 4 because I still had to roll up my tarps. I just ripped them off and threw them to the side. But, you know, it it, it gets you moving. So it, it's all around for me. I, I think there's a lot more positives in it than, you know, you're sitting in reefer. And I know some of these like Walmart DCs, Amazon DCs, you'll be sitting sometimes for a day 
before they take you, you know, like 10 hours, 14 hours, 24 hours, ports, 48 hours. I mean, I've heard some crazy number of hours for people waiting and I've had to wait myself over 27 hours was the most I've ever had to wait. Um, it, it's just, you're not making any money if your wheels aren't turning. I mean, yeah, you might get a hundred dollars for layover, $150, but when you can make 300 in a day, that, that gets in your pocket real quick when you oh, have multiple yeah. deliveries like that. Yeah. When so you lose it, this yeah, when is losing a day sucks. Yeah. This is very much more in your control. You have a lot more control and I, I love having control. <laughs> so I like the, I can kind of set my appointments. I tell them when I'm going to be there. You know, it, it makes things much easier to do this. Yes. Having control. That's, that's a big part of what inspired inspires me to continue making this show. I get this from my good friend, Gord. It's all about uh, when drivers have autonomy, they're a lot happier. Like when drivers are, when drivers do are in more control of what happens with their scheduling or just with the technology in the truck. And that's what's kind of been happening over the years is autonomy from the driver has been taken away. Their time has been taken advantage of, which leads to unhappiness. And it's, it, and that I'm, I'm glad you said that having control is what motivates you to, to want to work hard because I mean, that's, that should, that should be, that needs to be screamed from like the rooftops. Hey, because I have a little bit more control over my job and what I'm doing, I want to work more. And it's like, if only yeah. people got that, anybody out there in the logistics and the business world, if only they knew that, you know, maybe there'd be a little bit less problems out there. No, absolutely. You're right. I mean, this is a job. I, I control my time. I control when I sleep. I control my speed. I control what, I mean, I have an automatic, so, you know, I don't control the gear that it goes into unless I want to, which I don't, um, I'm good, but I, I'll work harder in a lot of ways. Um, but as far as that, I mean, I couldn't even imagine going back to a mega carrier or having them govern us. I, honestly, I'm not going to lie. If they try to govern us, I'll hang up my keys. I will. I'll move back home and I'll go back to selling real estate. I don't care. Back to bartending even. I, I will not run another governed truck. I just won't. It's and fucking dangerous. I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because I don't, I don't think your company will probably do it. Now they're based in California. So who knows what other legislation. We're technically based out of West Virginia. My, my yard where I pull out of is in California though, but we're based out of West Virginia. Okay. Yeah. That's a pretty, pretty smart of them, but they probably have the yard there for any sort of whichever, depending on how their lanes run. But uh, so they probably won't govern your trucks. Your company won't. I, I'd imagine they're a ten truck outfit. It's probably useless, a waste of their time. Uh, I mean, I understand that they probably could save on fuel if they did. If they restricted it to sixty eight or something, I, I get that. I had a, I know it. There's they don't a care. yeah. There's a gentleman who listens <laughs> to my show. He's he was a former guest, uh, Jamie Hagen. He is a he is a slow driver by by nature. He he swears up and down, but he drives a he drives Max. And he, you'll very seldom ever see the man go over 60. And that's how his lanes are set up, though. He very seldom goes over 60. He, he cruises at 55, and he justifies it with his fuel mileage. He's getting 11 and a half miles to the gallon. So I understand it from certain aspects. But I don't really see your company doing that, mainly because yeah. they're trying to keep their drivers happy. But 
So you're saying in the case where if the FMCSA were to um, regulate speed limiters on all commercial trucks, you would you would dip. You'd, you'd bounce. I, I'm done. Yeah. And honestly, by that same token, like that guy, I have no problem. If you want to go 55, go 55. If you want to go 68, go 68. I don't care what speed another person wants to go. Me, if that speed limit sign says 75, I'm going to go 75. But that's just me. My company is one of those, yeah, you might save a little bit on fuel, but at the end of the day, let's do the math on this. If you could get 100 miles more a day, okay, so that's 700 miles more a week, that's another load. Isn't that a few thousand dollars more at a minimum in your pocket versus saving a few hundred on fuel? So to me, I, I get where everybody's coming from, but... I am not going to impede traffic. I'm not going to play the you're set at 65 miles an hour and I'm at 65 and a half on a two lane clogging up the interstate in the left lane because one guy doesn't want to back down three miles an hour to let the other guy go and then piss off all the four wheelers. All of a sudden they're flying around you. They're getting in front of you, cutting you off, slamming on their brakes, breaking you, causing accidents. That is how accidents happen right there. It's not because we're speeding. People are way less apt to speed if they're able to go the speed limit. They're much less apt to go 68 in a 55 mile an hour construction zone if they're able to go the speed limit the entire time because you're not worried about those extra like couple miles that you're going to gain in that 55. You're worried about the long haul. You're worried about your end result. That this governing shit, it's I get it for new drivers. I do because you have to learn patience. You just simply do. A lot of people get out here and they, a lot of old drivers don't have patience. You have to be patient to do this job. But the governing, it is. It's fucking dangerous. Yeah, it's it's a bad move on 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 both sides. I mean, the people who are pushing for it, you the, the truck safe, the truck and safety coalition which is this group that's just a, uh, you know, uh, an arm that's, uh, you know, supports fund studies that the ATA wants to prove their narrative. And, the, you know, there's, so this Truck Safety Coalition is trying to tug at the heartstrings of the American people that it's about safety. They use these family stories who are killed who they tractor trailers. But the math doesn't add up because, and I know that our organization, CDL Drivers Unlimited, we have the stats on commercial vehicle accidents and the, the mm -hmm. large majority of them, I don't have the exact numbers, but I know it's it's well, it's between 80 and 90 something percent are at the fault of of people who are in, you know, cars, passenger passenger cars. And it's just it's once again data that doesn't add up just like the ELD. They thought the ELD mandate was going to save lives. All it did was, you know, and now the data shows an increase in accidents, an increase in fatalities. The same thing would happen with speed limiters. They'd be like, oh, now these trucks are speed limited. Problem solved. We're going to have so much less, but all you're going to have is more following distance, more passenger cars getting angry, more stress mm -hmm. on drivers. When you continue to add stress, the science people, you know, and I'm curious where the trust the science people have been who were, who were talking nonstop the last, you know, through COVID, because the science shows when you add stress to the workplace, safety then gets reduced. This is an OSHA thing. This is a huge thing. When you continuously add more stress onto a driver or onto the highways, the safety will get 
reduced. And that's the same thing will happen with speed limiters. And that's, but your voice, once again, echoes that other people that people need to hear of is that you, somebody who loves this industry has just said, man, if you do speed limiters, I'm going to quit. And there's, a, there's thousands more people like you who are going to do that, yeah. who are going to do the exact same thing. And so that's just another you know, note out there to anybody listening is that's, that's the mentality that a lot of people share. And that's, you know, that's something we need to change, which speaking of speaking of people quitting you, I wanted to touch on this. You had made a video about drivers uniting. You were kind of, you know, you seemed upset. You were wondering, you know, how the industry's fractured and bringing the industry together. What, you know, what motivated you to make, to make that video? Um, actually I saw, uh, Teddy, uh, her video about her. speed Love limiters. Her. Oh, she's great. She's freaking great. Even if I don't necessarily agree with everything she says, I agree with the majority of it. And I love the way that she hears her point. Uh, she's very vocal. And I, I appreciate that to no end. Um, I saw her video and I was like, I'm going to stitch this. So I went ahead and I stitched it. I actually did, funny enough, I promoted that video because I want more people to know about this. TikTok, at the very end of that video, uh, said that they were stopping the promotion. Uh, at the very end of the promotion, they said they were stopping it because of profanity. Now, if anybody follows me, <laughs> I'm a trucker. I curse like a sailor. I don't care. Um they they called it for profanity. Now I've promoted countless videos that have profanity in it and they've never been flagged. But this one, because it started getting a lot of traction, this one they stopped because the the point that I made, it wasn't I wasn't trying to talk about people shutting down. I don't actually want the country to shut down. I just want people to pull their heads out of their asses and get together and truckers to stop fighting each other because we're down here at the bottom. The top 1%, they they want us to fight. It's a lot easier if we're distracted fighting each other than if we're worried about what's going on above us. So, you know, the whole OTR versus local, automatic versus manual, like step deck versus reefer, whatever. It just, people got to stop. We're all doing a job. Uh, we, we just got to stop fighting each other. That was the message I was trying to make. Uh, these speed limiters, they're fucking dangerous. And some people have said, come out and said, I, I'm all for the speed limiters. That's fine. If you want to be limited in your speed, you can feel free to go that speed. But why do I have to? Because that's what you want. Yeah, it has to do with the personal, yeah, personal choice. Just because somebody supports them doesn't mean that now every now all three three to four million trucks on the road all of a sudden need to have them but you're, you're absolutely right when it comes to the unity between yeah there's all this oh i've done doing this for 30 years you ain't shit i've been flat betting for this you ain't you ain't shit uh you're yeah. a local driver you're not real and and then but then in the same and then but then in the next breath they're making the same video we need to come together against these brokers we need to come together against <laughs> xyz we need to come together but then yeah. just and then just five minutes later they're on the next facebook group saying you know kind of like what you, you said earlier about guys who want to jump down your throat when you're asking for, for certain things they'll be like oh you need to you need to pay your dues and do your time and it's like you know we're 
that that's exactly what it is. They want, you know, the the powers that be large retail carriers, large, uh, you know, the large parts of the quote unquote industry need drivers to be fractured because the truth of the matter is, is drivers weren't fractured pre-1980. Pre-1980, drivers were mainly represented by the Teamster Union and the Teamster Union was tough and they used sometimes illegal measures to make sure that drivers were taken care of. And look, I, I don't have, I, and anybody who says that that's a bad thing, I say, look at the U.S. government. They do plenty of illegal things to get their way. Yeah. And when, when the only thing the Teamsters did and the only thing guys like Hoffa ever did was do everything they could to make sure that these guys had jobs that paid decently and you know weren't taken advantage of and didn't let in bad players and uh, foreign agents into our supply chain. I'd say that's more patriotic than anything. But yeah, drivers at the yeah. end of the day. But that's the thing. Through gaslighting over the years since 1980 of doing this, of, of letting in so many different people enter the market from all different kinds, it's, it's fractured it now to where the people at the very top are the winners and then the people and then their bottom feeders, which there's a word my friend Gord uses, which is called lumpen proles which is a, a word that Karl Marx uses to describe people who will work for anything. And lump, the lumpen proletariat, you have these people at the bottom, Eastern European crime syndicates, you know, the double brokers. These people are all winning at the bottom and they're winning because they take advantage of the system because they have no skin in the game. And then the people at the top are the ones who are calling the shots. Meanwhile, the people in the middle are all fighting with each other over things that nothing that matters. And, and, and it's so, and it's so true. They're arguing so much, just like you said, they're arguing all the while the speed limiters are, are already, you know, they're, they're trying to roll that out. They're doing everything they can oh, to, yeah. to roll it out as quick as they possibly can too. And it's just, imagine, mm -hmm. you know, if you imagine, like, I think you gave the numbers out there. There's a certain, like, you only need an X number of trucks to actually shut down to cause a substantial dent and what would happen to the country. And that's the thing, just that small amount. About 10%. Yeah, just just 10%. Yeah. If just 10% of trucks shut down, it would send a message. And then it would. It would pull the reins back. They'd be like, whoa, maybe we need to stop messing around with this regulation. Yeah. Not only that, but once those speed limiters, if they do get passed, I guarantee the accident rate is going to go up in fault of semi. So you can look on the FMCSA website. I'm sure you have. Uh, about 1% of fatal crashes were at the fault of a semi-truck driver. Okay. About 1%. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yet we're the ones who need safety features, who need to be regulated. Why? I'm going to tell you right now, once they start regulating us, like you said, it's going to put more stress on the driver. It's going to make us do things that we probably shouldn't be doing, like PCing further than we should, driving longer than we should. You know, it's it's going to cause a lot of problems, not just on the highway with the four wheelers, but I guarantee the accident rate is going to go up, which in turn will only serve to pave the way for them pushing automated trucks. All of a sudden we're not going to have jobs anymore. That's yeah. what's happening. It's yeah. It's the slowly that's because that's always been the end goal. And, you know, Will Cook from America without drivers talks about this. The idea of autonomous vehicles and trucks specifically really started and got ramped up uh, towards the beginning of the Iraq war and the reason being for IEDs and stuff. So that's when the money really started going into it. And then 
from that kind of birthed this idea of, oh man, this could be the future of trucking is automating these trucks because of cutting the operational costs of, of, of hiring and keeping a driver, which because, and that's, and that's where we're at. And so now, because you can't just roll out autonomous trucks, you need to, you need to fracture the industry enough to the point to where they don't, where drivers and carriers don't have the resources or the manpower to give any pushback. So I, I absolutely agree mm-hmm. with you. Like the speed limiters are just another notch on the belt, another, uh, basically a line on the game of life or a check mark. Yeah. Uh, it's putting another hotel on your monopoly board for, for basically the, the large people in the industry to take full ownership. So that way, because the only people who are going to be able to own these autonomous trucks are the major players. I mean, ma- most, most companies who are affiliated and members of the ATA all support it. They're all backing it with, you know, with their money. They're all buying it. Of course they it. are. And that's why they support this legislation as well. Once you get the driver out of the seat, that's one less salary you have to pay every year. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're going to get someone because they're going to have someone sitting in the truck, you know, just in case anything happens. And by that same hand, let's say the truck does fail. Now all of a sudden you got a driver who's driven maybe a week total in their entire life. And now all of a sudden they got to drive this truck that they've been sitting, sleeping in the front seat the whole time. Like, and they're getting paid probably a minimum wage hourly rate. Like it just, Oh, it's just, it's, it's a lot. It's crazy. It, it is. It is very, doesn't very make sense. Yeah. Yeah. It's just unrealistic. When you break it down. It's just, yeah. Yep. And that's one more industry of jobs that people won't be able to work anymore. We're already losing jobs less than right in this world that we live in with the advances of technology. It's been happening for a long time, but you know, this is now my industry that they're coming after. Mm-hmm. So. And it's, and it's not just the drivers who will be affected. Like I spoke with, uh, I encourage everybody to go back to listen to James year and I talking. I mean, this is going to take away, this is the, you know, it, automation and the advancement of AI will remove brokers. It'll remove dispatchers. It removes, a lot of jobs that carriers carriers have that are an expense that, uh, mm-hmm. you know, and sure, people say, well, this has happened in history before. But what we're talking about isn't like the invention of the steam engine. We're talking about removing the number one job for high school educated males in all 50 states. We're talking about removing very good mid, mid-level management jobs from brokerages and motor carriers and even small brokerage companies. They're going to suffer at the defeat of it because who's going to want to work with you, the boutique freight brokerage when they can, you know, have, have a computer do it for next, next to nothing. And that's where it's headed. But I encourage, I definitely encourage you if you're, you know, for anybody who wants to fight against this and unify, that's what we're doing at CDL drivers unlimited. It's an organization and speak and going back, because this is really important. You said this uh, regarding the mental health, you had a trainer who was suicidal and to anybody who's listening to this, whether it be live or on recording, that, that trainer is not the only person on the road who is suicidal. Mm-hmm. And through CDL Drivers Unlimited, we do have a driver's crisis center with resources, access to myself, access to Stephen Myers, access to every resource you need for mental health and suicide prevention. That's stuff we've done without any funding from the federal government, without any funding. That's something that we built as an organization. And that's a resource. Nobody's doing it. ATA doesn't do it. OIDA doesn't do it. 
Uh, no, none of these organizations uh, do any like that's another thing besides the pay, the parking on down the line of driver issues. Nobody talks about the mental health and this country has a mental health issue as a whole. But think about it now from the driver yep. perspective where the the amount of time that they're alone, the amount of time they're away dealing with all these stresses. Look what happened to so somebody. And and I and I hate to say this about somebody I don't know, but this person is a trainer. This And like if I am a U.S. congressman and I'm hearing this episode right now and I hear that a trainer for a commercial motor, you know, a commercial vehicle motor carrier is a suicidal person and is training people how to drive 80,000 pound vehicles. I'm stopping the press. Like that, that should be national news. That, that should be, imagine if that, okay. Yeah. Imagine if that was a pilot, like imagine if we had pilots that were doing this, like if uh, suicidal pilots were training new first officers and you know, that, you know, like if we had pilots that were suicidal mental and pilots do have to get, you know, they have similar medical and physical requirements. If you have, if you have a kidney stone, you can't be a pilot, you know, it's, it, you, you know, you'll lose your rights to fly. So it's just, it, and now think about this, all, all the trucks on the road and the fact, the idea that you had a trainer is suicidal. It's crazy. So there are resources at CDL drivers unlimited. We're fighting mm-hmm. for it. Encourage you and all, all your followers to join in on that. But you're right. The industry does, does need to unify. Now we've been we've been ripping for a while. Let's let's kind of get uh, let's kind of look look uh, forward thinking. So, what's the future holding for you? You think you said you think you want to get get into bull hauling? You know, what's your next five years look like? Uh, my next five years, I can pretty much predict that I'm probably going to stay in this. I, I want to get some real experience. You know, I, I don't want to just do this for a little while and then go into something else. I really love the company that I'm at. And if they stay consistent, which I think they will being as small as they are, I don't see a reason that I won't still be with them five years down the line. They do oversized stuff. So that's what I want to get into. I want to get into oversized and heavy haul. I want to be, I want to drive like houses down the street. I think that's fucking cool. Police escorts. I mean, I want that. I want people to look at me and be like, oh, there's someone clogging up traffic. Yeah, I am. <laughs> oh, <it laughs> I want to be fun. that person. Yeah, that's, mm-hmm. that's fun stuff. Yeah. yeah, I've done a combine 12 wide, 14 tall. That's another puzzle too. You yeah. got a route plan. You've got to get permits. You got to, and then when you follow the permits, you know, because of bridges and stuff, it's it's a little bit easier when you're out west, west of 35, you don't have to worry about bridges. But yeah, that's another puzzle. Right. That's fun. That's that's good. You want to it's good. You want to stick with them and you're good and you could build relationships. And hey, if they're keeping you running the way the way you are now, because oh, yeah. I could I could tell you now from seeing a whole other side of the industry, a lot of a lot of drivers miles are getting cut and you see it on TikTok a lot. I mean, the volume is just down. For, so for them to keep you rolling and to keep you getting paid, hang on to it. Oh, yeah. No, it's because they flooded the industry. You know that you always talk about how there's no driver shortage. There's never a driver shortage. Before COVID happened, there was, what, 2.4 million truck drivers on the road or something. No problem stocking the shelves. All of a sudden, COVID happens, and now there's a driver shortage. And we have a problem stocking the shelves with a million plus more drivers on the road. Like, come on. What's the real agenda? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. What's what what is the real agenda behind that? We talk about that often. That's why I asked you earlier about the grants for your school. And you talked about this, the funding for your school. So your school is private. So they, they may not get that much federal assistance, but that grant that you got is another, is a form of, because that's, that that's essentially what the driver shortage has become is it's a, it's stealth corporate welfare 
that's masked as a jobs program. And that's a, that's a line that I use that I get from my friend Gord, where essentially they do this, they do this to bring drivers in at a churn and burn. Like you said, at the end of training, you were thinking about hanging it up, thinking maybe this wasn't for you. That happens. That's essentially oh, what during it, training. Yeah, during <laughs> training. Rough. And that's that's what happens. I mean, I there are people, there are drivers that I'm speaking with who have been with the company for less than two months, and they're like, I have to get out of here. And, it, and it's a, yeah. that, like that's how they're feeling. They're like, I didn't know it was going to be this way. And so that's why you see the turnover. A guy enters the industry, they do three months, and then they never come back. And they do that because when mm-hmm. you do that, the 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 less amount of tenure, you can keep the wages as low as you can. And so it just becomes this race to the bottom. And that's that's that's, that's why I wanted to ask yep. about that, Grant. But kind of forward thinking as well. I wa- wanted to touch on this because you talked about wanting to get be healthier. That's why you got into flatbed. You also are uh, mm. you're good you're good at another sport that not a lot of drivers can probably do. <laughs> and you you, you yes. have a video you have a video on it on your TikTok. And so so mm-hmm. pole dancing. Where did you pick that? Where did you pick that up? And what what made you do it? <laughs> well. Um... I picked it up the traditional way when I was in college. Uh, I didn't do it very long, uh, maybe three, four weeks. I didn't really like the looks and the, I don't like to be on a stage and have a bunch of people look at me. So I don't know why I would enjoy that. It just looked like fun. Um, I was young and dumb and I figured I'd give it a shot. So I did work at a place for a little while. Um, decided that I didn't really want, you know, the attention I was getting. So I just kept it up as a sport and I I hadn't done it in years. I just started back, uh, maybe a few months ago. And obviously, you know, being over the road, it's not exactly easy to find a pole studio to get a truck into. Most of them are in small areas, shopping centers, downtown areas, you know, those little boutique shops. So it's not the easiest thing in the world, but I do have a girl out in Arkansas. She does private lessons in her home. Um, And then I have a pole at my house and the studio at home. So far, I haven't found a whole lot else, so I've just been hitting Planet Fitness because you can almost always get a truck into those parking lots. But, yeah, uh, I do love pole dancing. I have tried to figure out a way to mount to my catwalk. The only thing with that is it would also get that attention that I don't really want. So it's really more of an exercise for me. I enjoy it. It's fun. Um, I don't want people staring at me while I do it. I got, well, Hey, that's more power to you. Cause I bet you there's probably people out there who think, Oh, you know, I want to give this a try because it is probably good for core, core strength building, but it oh, must yeah. develop the core. Yeah. It takes a lot of core, core strength. It's some gym upper body stuff. and core, but yeah, mm-hmm. but you know, there's probably a lot of people who want to do it, but they think the only way to go is that tr- traditional route as you had as, as you had said, but there's different ways to do it. And so it's good. You can pick it up. I was going to ask if you had one uh, back there in the truck, if you had it like going through the. In, in the <laughs> no, in the I don't. I, I thought about it, but honestly, there's just not enough room to spin around. <laughs> ah, okay. Yeah. No, it's not, it's an eight by eight box. Yeah. There's not a whole lot of room for it to, to get, <laughs> to get the, down and dirty in the, in the back of that truck. I feel you. No, that, that's awesome. I, I love that you. I love that you go into Planet Fitness. It's good. More drivers need to know that Planet Fitness is one of the most parking friendly places for drivers. There's showers there. Yeah. A lot. A lot of. And they have hours. showers. Exactly. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. And that's and for 24 bucks a month, you, you really can't beat it. It's a, it's, it's a solid deal. And, you know, that's another thing, picking up flatbed, you know, you have, you have a real, your story matches exactly how anybody who's entering the industry wants it to be. You got to grit it out, do your time with these scumbags. And it's, it shouldn't be this way, but this is how it is. If you want to stick with it, you got to grit it out with these, you know, kind of bullies up front. But once you get past mm-hmm. that year mark, once you get past that one to two year mark, you found the company that is, is where guys will drive for sometimes for the rest of their career, that small, and you're, you're not going to, they don't have a, yeah. like a lot of them, they don't like your company probably doesn't have a website. They don't market like, like you're not going to find. They do, but we don't market. Yeah. Like they don't market. You don't, you don't find them. The companies almost have like, you, it's hard for you to go out and find them. They almost, they, it just has to happen. That's how I got my second company job. I met a kid at a DC, a Walmart DC. I would have never known this company. They're small 20, 25 trucks r and Solutions out of Northwest Arkansas. You'd never know who they were. And that's, that's the route to go. But um, uh-huh. before, ju- I want to just give a shout out to our boy, just- Justin Martin. He's, he's saying, what's up? He's, he, oh, he, uh, yeah. he let me know that uh, you guys have crossed paths as well. He's a, he's a big fan of yours. Yes. He, loves, he loves the content you, you put out. <laughs> so I want to give him a shout out. He's, he's been a, uh, a repeat guest on the show. He'll be definitely coming back on soon. But before we sign off, where can the people find you? Follow along on your journey. Uh, mostly just TikTok, trucking with Danny, uh, T-R-U-C-K-I-N with Danny. Uh, I do have Facebook and Instagram. I don't use those platforms quite as much. Instagram, I don't think I posted anything, to be honest. But you can find me on TikTok. Um, send me a message. I do go through those message requests. And if they're not weird, I'll respond. Yeah, I can only imagine what what the what the DMs look like. I I say that all the time to all my all my friends who are women because I you know my message requests are basically like scams. I get DMs from mm-hmm. Eastern Europeans saying, "Do you want me to book you load?" Um, I get that, but I can <laughs> I can only imagine what what your what your DMs could probably look like. And I mean, even just from that aspect, I know we spoke about this before we started recording, but. You know, as a and I've spoke about this with the other women I've had on the show is when you're out there over the road, there's an extra layer of almost security. You need to be a lot more cognizant. You can't like I remember having this discussion with a woman about this on Twitter, like because I talked about I'm like, oh, just go, you know, about how I get my steps. And I'm like, just do laps around the truck stop. And it's like, but from a woman's perspective, to just throw on a plate carrier and go for a run in some of the areas where truck stops are or to just walk, take laps around the truck stop. There, there's people who are, who are watching you because mm-hmm. you're a woman, like for no other reason. Yeah. And so it's just, it's not, it's not as easy to get those things done. You have to, you have to be that more, you can't, you have to be that much more cognizant because you never know who's, who's watching you. I mean, you've mentioned, you've mentioned previously, you've had some fuel stolen from you. You've had people bang on your truck door. It's a reality. Oh yeah. I had someone try to break into my truck. Like I told you, uh, couple years ago and that was a scary situation Uh, i opened the sleeper curtain saw him rustling down there at the lock thankfully i had my great dame with me at the time who jumped up in the front seat he scared off and i called the cops was driving with jb hunt at the time so i didn't have personal conveyance that's another great thing about them um i couldn't move i literally i just had to call the cops and sit and terror and wait for my 10 hour break to be up 
So, and that's, I'm, yeah. I'm glad, I'm glad we got that out before we signed off. That's something that carriers need to know. People in the industry need to know is that you are a driver is you're not alone in this. There are drivers out there who could be in unsafe conditions and they're not, mm-hmm. if they, if they want to leave or move, it's could be a violation it goes against their hours. It's on your CDL. And for some reason in any other scenario, you'd be allowed to leave, leave work, file a complaint, do anything. And you can't, you just got to be out there yeah. alone and unafraid. And it's unfortunate. Yeah. And looking back, I probably should have just moved the truck and just violated, but I was still pretty new in the industry and I just didn't, uh, I didn't want to get in trouble. And when I called in and asked them if I could move, they said no. Um, so, you know, I, I, there was a cop going around, uh, and it was a well-lit parking lot. So it wasn't like, it wasn't anything I expected. Um, but yeah, as far as all that, I'm going to, I'm not going to lie. I don't do the whole loop in the seatbelt through the door thing. Uh, if this truck catches on fire, I'm getting out. Um, I'm not going to rustle around with that. Like you're going to be in a panic. So no, I don't do that whole thing. Um, it depends where I'm at every now and again, I'll string my air horn through the driver door, but that doesn't really help the passenger door unless you have fishing line to string across to the other side. But in any case, I mean, there are things that you can do to stay protected, but you always have to be cognizant out here. I will say though, nine times out of 10, most of the guys who are watching a female walk across the parking lot, most of the time, they're not doing it because they're creepy. They're doing it because they're making sure that you're safe. So yeah, I'd, every now I'd and again, though, you get that one. Definitely. I'd say that's mainly the norm. You're right. For the most part, you'll, but people are always protective. And a lot of people, and for all yeah. the bad, for the bad people you do see sometimes, there's always somebody, especially in flatbed, who's always willing to help and lend a, lend a hand. I've had a guy give me, you know, four straps before. He's like, hey, you need these? I have a bunch of extra because yeah. I helped them chain down. So it have, people are more helpful than they are. It's not all bad out there. Flatbed is a a very close-knit community, I have found. There is always a flatbed driver willing to help you. I mean, I obviously, yeah, being a girl, people are a little bit more willing to help. But I have had a lot of people come up to me, and they're like, hey, you want some help with this load? And then I'll go and help them. And I'm finding that a lot of the guys, when I go and offer to help them, they actually take my help instead of saying, oh, no, it's okay. Like, because – I'm a girl like no I I can hold my own I'm a lot stronger Mm -hmm. than I look so it's it's a nice little sense of community over here no you're absolutely right but uh it's about time for me to sign off people can find you trucking with Danny D-A-N-I on TikTok that's where they can find all of your adventures but um you stay safe out there heading heading out west and uh we'll we'll bring we'll, we'll we'll bring you back on too I'd love to have you on with with a couple other, fe- I'd love to do a round table more with a couple of other female drivers and, and chop that would it up be and, amazing and, sh- and shoot it up. So we'll definitely, we'll try to organize that. I'll try to get a hold of Teddy. Maybe we could bring you and Teddy and a, and a couple of people on. That would be, that would be a fun one. Yeah, definitely. Maybe Ann Crawford too. Yeah. That would be a good uh, she one. She was willy nilly. Yeah. Lo- yeah I, love- I talk to her every now and again. Would love to get her on. If you, if you talk to her, tell her to reach out. I'd love to, we'll try to organize that. Try to get Bethany on there. Uh, I would love to, I'd love to have a, a lot of the girls, yeah. girls come on and, and chop it up and talk. Cause your stories are, are interesting. They're fascinating and they're mm-hmm. real. And that's the most important thing. 
But well, you got- thank you very much for your service. Oh, and thank you. you for having me on your show. Absolutely. Anytime. And uh, take care. Stay safe out there. Will do. Bye. Guys, that'll do it for episode 99. Thank you so much for joining me. Powerful story right there. You hear, you heard it right from the truth. That's a driver out there who's been there for a couple of years. She will quit if there are speed limiters. There are times where she's felt unsafe due to how things are when it comes to parking. She's had fuel stolen. She's had a trainer who had mental health issues. You've heard it right there. Those are just the facts. That's how they are. That's why we bring drivers on and have these stories because they're real, they're raw, and for the most part, they're true. I know sometimes truckers like to exaggerate on things. They've all driven, you know, drivers have always driven more miles than you. They've always made more money. They always like to exaggerate on Facebook. But for the most part, the honesty and integrity from their real life stories on the ground over the road are very true. Episode 100 is just around the corner. We're hoping to make that a fun one. But with that, guys, that'll do it. We're back to the bench. Take care.